another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Don't move. Don't move? Where would I go? Quiet! Here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. This is your vital essence on all things The Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Philip Mitchell. Just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And with me, of course, is my co-host, Jamie Prater. So, Jamie, thank you for being on the show. As always, thank you so much for having me. Love the show. Love uh, where we are at as far as being fans of The Dark Crystal. It's a great time to be alive. Definitely, yeah. With so much that's going to happen this year, um, it is going to be an incredible year. Uh, No doubt about it. Um, so on this episode, uh, I thought, you know, we'd do a, a conversation about the prequel dilemma. Um, you know, that sort of, I, I guess, you know, I guess in a way just concerns that, you know, we might have about the show and, um, just sort of, I guess, you know, we've, you know, being a prequel story and I think, um, the expectations, I guess, that we have in mind for the show and, you know, what if it doesn't deliver and, you know, what if it's not great or what if it's awesome or, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And, um, I think this was sort of your suggestion, uh, Jamie, to, to, to do an episode, um, about all this. So I, I might actually just start off with you. Just, I know just what, what you wanted to, to start off with, you know, with this whole conversation about the, the prequel dilemma on with, with the dark crystal age of resistance. For sure. So, you know, again, I did, I was talking to Philip a couple days ago and uh, just about prequels and um, the dangers of prequels. And there is, it's a prequel dilemma. Um, We've seen, you know, obviously there's the Star Wars, they kind of, George Lucas began the whole prequel dive with the, you know, episode one, two, and three. And they were very divisive and uh, they weren't exactly successful i mean they were successful for sure but not in this not in the way i mean each film made less money than the one like the phantom menace made a ton of money and then attack the clones didn't make as much but there's there is there's inherent dangers and uh i i like to i believe in being cautious i believe in being cop also being cautiously optimistic uh we haven't really seen much from age of resistance what we have seen of course the big reveal were the three gelfling puppets which i think are fantastic um i always have to stop myself from cursing because this is a family show (laughs) uh uh yeah they were fantastic um but uh you know and we discussed in an episode prior you know the voice cast and some of the people that they chose like keegan michael key and harvey fierstein and andy sandberg um, not that those people aren't amazing, talented, funny people. They are, but they're known as comedians or more, uh, they play in more comedic roles. Um, so I was having just some thoughts like there's some, you know, uh, there are decisions that are made, um, sometimes when prequel, when prequels are made, um, well, first of all, like for instance, you know, I am, uh, I am the host and showrunner of Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, and we've just, 
you know, we received two prequel films in the past five years, um, which was Alien or Prometheus and then Alien Covenant. Um, and they were very divisive among the fans. They weren't very successful either uh, in terms of uh, their profits and uh, how successful they were in fandom. Very, very divisive and explosive. It's hard to even talk about them. People really don't talk about them because they're so divisive. But I think I hold the Dark Crystal much like you do and all of the fans uh, of the Dark Crystal. We hold it in really high regard. It's like um, the the Holy Grail. It's it's the, um, the Ark of the Covenant. Really, the Dark Crystal original film is the Ark of the Covenant in terms of skill and magic and wonder and puppetry and everything, everything that you know that I don't have to explain. But I am a little bit afraid that I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm a little concerned that in some of the characters, we're going to get some kind of hipster meta Gelfling referencing modern culture, winking at us a little bit and not really staying immersed in this world and, uh, writers and directors have a hard time not doing that. They have a hard time. And I, that's some of the criticism that the last Jedi had where it's that scene where, uh, Poe was in a ship and he's in front of the juggernaut. And he was like, uh, I got a message for Hux. And he's like something about his mother. And it was just dumb. It was dumb. It pulled me right out of the movie. It didn't seem like a galaxy far, far away in its own. It just felt kind of modern hipster funny. And I didn't like it and it didn't work. And I'm a little bit concerned that we, we might see that in Age of Resistance. Yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean. Um, and I think like, I mean, with the whole sort of prequel dilemma, um, you know, sort of, you know, thinking about what you've, what you've talked about and with the Star Wars prequels, for example, with episodes one, two and three, like I know, I mean, like for me, like, you, you know, like I sort of enjoy them for what they are. You know, I sort of got to a point where I actually appreciate them from for some extent but i know for a lot of fans that it didn't it didn't work for them and i can and i can understand that i mean especially with you know the expectations that you know if you're going from you know going from return of the jedi in 83 to you know 16 years later getting a you know back in 99 getting a new star wars film and you know a lot of fans you know that we all had sort of expectations of you know this is how it's got to go down and then it went in a bit of a not different way but just sort of wasn't what we um what we expected and like you know for me like with with my take on the prequels is like you know i I sort of like bits and pieces from them i think i think for me overall the storytelling i think the story was good to an extent but i think it just wasn't executed as well as it could have been you know the thing that was so fascinating i guess with the star wars prequels was sort of the whole um, Palpatine sort of rise to become emperor like that's also I find that really interesting and the manipulation that he all these things that he went through to you know to pretty much become emperor of you know of the Star Wars universe but yeah I mean it, and it is a concern you know as we're sort of getting into an era I mean there's you know so many sequels and prequels and you know all these films uh, that have been coming out and I think it's going to be really interesting what what Age of Resistance um, is going to be like so, um, yeah, and I guess, you know, that was the other thing about with, um, you know, with the voice cast, um, you know, reading through the voice cast, I was actually pretty surprised at some of the, the voices, you know, like Andy Samberg, like, it's like, I never, you know, imagined, you know, I can imagine him voicing a, a Skeksis, but it's like, and I think for me, 
you know, I would have loved to have had, you know, you know, uh, voice actors, you know, would have loved to see like a Billy West or some of the many, you know, great voice artists, you know, from all other animation shows being a part of the Dark Crystal. Um, not to say that I'm like, you know, it's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really think that Netflix and the Jim Henson company, they sort of, you know, certainly hope that we, that they know they're doing, and I'm sure that they are, but I guess, yeah, I totally understand, you know, just sort of the concerns that we do that we can have. And, and it's fine to have those concerns. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, there's no right or wrong in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think being, being, having concerns is, is, yeah, a natural healthy thing, probably, you know, and I think we should uh, always be excited, but also be ready to question some things. And I'm like, from what I'm seeing, like, you know, here we are talking and I'm sitting in front of my 27 inch iMac and Deet is staring right at me or I'm staring right at her. Um, and, you know, I'm just looking at her costume and how beautiful it is and how reminiscent of Kira's costume it is and layered and amazing. And, but I'm also, you know, I, I you know, because I, this, the dark crystal is like a child of mine. It's, it's this, that kind of lives in my heart. It's like this little flame. It's just always there. You know, I've just finished a, uh, uh, art doll of, of the Chamberlain, uh, Skeksel, I think. Um, I mean, that's how alive this, this world is for me. Um, and there is this back of the, you know, kind of in the back of my head or, or in the back of my mind, um, just a little bit of concern that, um, some of these people, some of these writers and the director aren't going to be able to help themselves and we're going to have these wink or we might have a, like a, maybe there's going to be a goth Gelfling kind of being, being dark and moody, like something that's going to, because they can't help themselves to write a character like that. They, and I, it's really difficult for people to writers to stay in universe and not wink to us. And you can, you can, um, I believe that you can really tell a story and have it speak to your audience living in 2019, like world culture, but have the story contained in its own culture. But the themes are speaking to us, whether that's the hero's journey or um, the struggles of life, all of those things, you know, like I think um, Avatar, James Cameron with Avatar, you know, even though a lot of people might not like it, of course, it's the biggest film of all time, at least all around the world. Um, and he really retained the culture of the Navi um, in the film without winking to modern culture. He really did it successfully. So you don't ever feel like you're pulled out of that world. It feels completely foreign, completely otherworld-like, um, even though there are some kind of, it feels kind of native, like native tribes or whatever. You can you can tell a story and have it relate to modern culture without you know having to be heavy-handed in the way that you write things. And I know you and I were talking. This was about this was a few months back, maybe even eight months ago. And you were talking about how simple the Gelflings spoke, kind of the simpleness of their dialogue or their dialect uh, or their vocabulary. And I think that that's really important. Um, and I think that uh, it makes them more relatable. It makes them a little bit more childlike, but it also makes them. Yeah, and, and, and of course, you know, we're going to hear Gelflings that are going to, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be just, oh, you know, have them voice, you know, have the, have them sounding all the same, like as Kira and, and Jen. I think, you know, there are, we're going to get different, you know, kind of voices and dialects um, with that, um, you know, especially, you know, with Gelflings that are sort of, you know, 
you know, older, you know, adult gelflings and child gelflings and, you know, teenager gelflings, you know, they're all going to have different voices. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing I'm really fascinated, like, yeah, you know, how, how the gelfling clans are going to sound like, you know, is each clan going to have their own sort of dialect because they're, you know, from their own clan and, um, or the, or are they all going to sound the same sort of thing? It's going to be really interesting, um, indeed. And, and I, I think that was one of the things I think, um, there was an interview with, um, Javier, um, who, uh, is one of the sort of the head writers on Javier. Yeah. Javier. Yeah. Yeah. Who was one of the head writers on the dark crystal age of resistance. And, um, he pretty much said in, I think it was an interview, I think at San Diego comic con of 2017. Part of what, um, part of what happens on a, on an ongoing series, if you're working with human actors instead of puppets is that there's a, a kind of uh, implicit and sometimes explicit dialogue between the writers and the <laughs> actors where they, you start to be, you begin to see, Oh, that this actor is good at this. The, you know, the, we, we can write to that as a skill set. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't have as much of that if you're working with puppets as a cast. How does the how does the relationship between the writers and the material as it unfolds when you're filming change? Well, the nice thing is, you know, Lisa Henson is has been involved in this world since her childhood. Um, in addition to being a formidable studio executive on her own right, um, so between her and her team, you know, who are executive producers on the show and who are, as I said, very involved. One of the things that we're constantly being reminded of as writers, and, and it's, I wouldn't call it attention, but it's a constant dialogue, is what can and can't puppets do, you know? And, and, and to our eyes, you know, we're, we are... The girl puppets can fly. The girl puppets can fly, the boys cannot. But, what, but, you know, we're very, very cognizant of that we're not writing for people. So, you know, one of Lisa Henson's biggest um, contributions in the room and outside of it in terms of the writing is... She's constantly reminding us the Gelfling and the Skeksis and all the other characters are not human. So we have to make a relatable show, but a show that really honors the alienness of this world, which is a huge writing challenge. And then also, you know, for example, um, I, uh, uh, one of our scripts, we had a stage direction that, that somebody blanches, you know. And we had a 20-minute discussion of how does a puppet blanch. So just as a writer, you begin to realize, okay, we need to write in discrete gestures that the puppeteers can look at and say, okay, here's what I'm doing with the puppet, you know, so when they get with the puppet captain, because, you know, you have like three performers per creature, you have a puppet captain, and then you've got the director, and our director is a phenomenal one, it's Louis Leterrier, who directed The Transporter and directed uh, Now You See Me, I mean, this, this guy's a big shot, um, between him and then there's going to be a puppet captain, and they all have to kind of watch what the, what the puppets are doing and all that, so our job has become to make sure that we are writing relatable emotions for non-human characters, and it's not that their range of expression is limited because the creature shop can do anything. I mean, they are incredible. But it's to make sure that our instructions to them are on puppet terms and not on human terms. So, I mean, it's, for me, coming off of something like The 100 or even Lost or whatever, it's a huge challenge because the Henson, uh, the Henson company is literally teaching us as writers how to uh, write for puppets. You know, now they have, they have like nine shows uh, in their kid space with puppets and all that. So it's not like they're bringing back. They've been improving their art for years and for decades. But with the Dark Crystal, it's something so special and so rarefied. You know, that we're taking all of that, all of the improvements that they've done by having all of these shows, and now we have to figure out how to make them work in this ten-hour narrative space. Um, that you know, it, it is sort of hard to sort of try and write dialogue for for the Gelflings in a way because you know that they're, they're not they're not from earth, you know, they're not, you know, they're not human like characters. Um, they're character, you know, this, you know, they're in this fantasy fictional world. That's 
very different to Earth. You know, it's nothing like Earth, that sort of thing. And I think, you know, they, they probably would have had some challenges now and then to sort of, you know, work out, you know, with the writing process um, of the show, with some of the characters um, indeed, yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I think that's probably good. It's good to hear that it's it's challenging for them because it means that they're making the right decisions. You know, even the, the Skeksis didn't have this very articulate, not that they weren't articulate, but they don't have this vocabulary. They, 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 they live in a different world. They're going to have a different vocabulary. If anything, they're speaking English uh, so that we can understand it, you know, and uh, and and that was the thing with with the making of the Dark Crystal was that the um, the Skeksis were actually going to talk in their own sort of their own language, and that it was just going to be their body language and just um, you know just they would just hope that them speaking in their own language and that audiences would understand what they're sort of you know sort of talking about, I guess. Um, but with test screenings, it didn't work. So, so what happened was they had to get the writer to write new dialogue, English dialogue for the Skeksis based on um, the lip syncing movements of their mouths. Um, so it's like, that's why the Skeksis dialogue is a little bit, yeah, like, you know, weird in, in that regard because they weren't talking in English in the first place. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, that's the thing with the TV show is that, well, they know that they speak in English now, so they won't have any problems doing that um, with the show. So it'd be interesting to see what, again, what the Skeksis are going to, you know, how they're going to talk, whether they're going to talk more intelligently or, you know, they'll be, yeah. Or more articulated. Or, or more articulated, yeah, yeah. Also the mystics as well, you know, how are they are going to sound? You know, when uh, the master was, Jen's master, I can't remember his name right now, um, was speaking to him. Um, it wasn't, it also wasn't in a lot of detail, but again, like you said, they had to change the dialogue. They had to, had to kind of write dialogue to match the mouth movements. Um, so that was tricky. Um, but they also, even though they did that for the original, the original, it is what it is, whether they had to change the dialogue or not, they have to match that up. They have to match up the tone, uh, of age of resistance to make it feel like, and sound like. Up, different characters are speaking. Um, of course, this is a different world we're 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 joining into. We're we're uh, kind of being thrown into. There's you know there's Gelfling all over the place. Um, it's just a very different culture at this time. Whereas when we meet the, the, the you know the world of Thra in the Dark Crystal, everything's kind of on on the way out. It's being extinct. It's it's the Gelfling are gone. There's ruins. There's not very much to kind of deal with. There's the Podlings, but even the Podlings are kind of a, a dying culture, you know? Um, but the, the last thing that, I, or not the last thing, but the, the other big question I had was, and I don't know if we, you and I have discussed this, but the idea, I saw this in relationship to the alien, uh, series where there was a, an article that I actually didn't read. I just saw the title. It said, um, stop answering questions. No one's asking. And that's another prequel dilemma, um, where every, Every question is answered. There's, and so then by the end of the, the series, the films, or the shows, or whatever, there's no more questions because you've answered them all. And I think it's important for Age of Resistance maybe to answer a few things and to kind of op- pull back the curtain on a few certain things, but also set up new myths, set up new – I don't know if it's a new prophecy or just a new way to kind of explore um, the world of Thra – 
um, without feeling like, okay, hey, Fizgig comes from here. This is Fizgig's mom. Uh, the you know this is Jen's this is Jen's great grandma Mira or I'm sorry this is Kira's great grandma Mira you know like just stupid stuff like that um, like we don't need to know where everybody comes from we don't need to know someone's great grandmother and not to say that we don't ever need to know those things it, it needs to work within the context as opposed to just kind of fan fan pleasing because um, I know I'm not really interested in, in Kira or Jen's grandmother or parents i'm not interested in where fizzgig comes from i mean I, I do hear that there's a race a whole kind of tribe of fizzgigs which i think will be cute but i don't need to i don't need to know that you know fizzgig's lineage um and like oh this is great grand fizzgig you know like i just don't need to know any of those things and sometimes those prequel the prequel filmmakers and directors they start like just pulling all the curtains up and it's like no it's too much Mystery is why what makes great films great films. Mystery, leave mystery intact. So, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. And I think, like, I mean, especially with with this whole show with Age of Resistance, like, I definitely think that not, you know, everything is going to get answered. I, I think, you know, that they're definitely going to leave things pretty open. You know, if say for a season two, um, if it does happen, which I mean, that'd be amazing if it does. Um, but yeah, I, I think like. You know, you know, based on what we've seen um, with Age of Resistance, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm very positive about the show and, I, you know, I can't wait, um, you know, for more information about the show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, but I totally understand the concerns that, um, um, that we all have. And even I have a bit of concerns as well. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, what, what if the show isn't going to be any good, you know, when it comes out? Um because I know, I mean, you know, I know that has happened for yourself and, you know, with your Alien podcast, um, you know, with Prometheus, but also more so with Alien Covenant that sort of didn't meet, um, no, I don't know, not, not meeting expect expectations or like just, it just didn't, um, just wasn't as successful or as good as you, you know, as it would have liked yeah. for it to be. Yeah. It wasn't as satisfying and it felt a little bit predictable. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, I mean, there, there is so much, you know, as, you know, we're going, we're still going to get continuing developments with Age Re of Resistance as we continue to anticipate with the show. Um, but, you know, I think, but I think it was a good conversation to sort of, you know, talk about these concerns and, um, you know, and for me, you know, and it's one of those things like if, you know, if you enjoy something that you, you know, that you love and, you know, if it gets to a point where, you know, you just, hate it so much that you know you need to put your anger out there on the internet um that it's sort of like you know i think you need to um you know just just you know sort of just you know ha you know have a break um in, in a way and just um yeah you know yeah, take a step back and you know just enjoy it for what it is um and also realize that everyone working on age of resistance wants this show to succeed they want it to be amazing. They want it to uh, light a fire in our hearts like the original did. They want it to be special. They want it to be um, revolutionary. I mean, the big kind of elephant in the room that we're talking about, that we're not talking about, aside from it's a Dark Crystal prequel and all of these things and puppeteers, in terms of a show being made with only puppets, no human actors in it, I mean, this is unprecedented. It's unprecedented for the puppetry community, really. 
um, and uh, how this is going to revolutionize and bring, you know, a, a attention back to practical effects in a way. And a lot of attention has been kind of turning towards practical effects, thanks to The Force Awakens and J.J. Abrams and other films that have been coming out and uh, even... Um, uh, the- I, and, and, and I still remember like that first um, behind the scenes video for The Force Awakens. Um, oh, yeah. And, and you hear Mark Hamill is like real, re- you know, real effects, you know, real practical effects. <laughs> and it's like you could almost apply that to um, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the whole film, the whole show is one real practical effect. Now, there is some. You know, there's some speculation as to whether there'll be some CG elements or some digitization or um, we don't really know. Um, but I think I, I, I would just as we wrap up this conversation, what's Im- most important to me is to not judge something before you've seen it. Have I been guilty of that? Absolutely. Do I try to stay away from it? Absolutely. Um, but I, I I don't think that there's enough out there. And if you look at these puppets again, I'm staring at Deet. If you look at the artistry of these puppets and how lovingly they're crafted and painted and um just the the expression on deet's face she's alive she is alive um and this is a puppet um there's not enough there we have not seen anything to criticize it um and maybe there's some differences in some facial architectures or whatever but if you're gonna you'll lose me um you'll lose some respect for me if you judge something before you've seen it um and i think uh, with all of the work going into Age of Resistance to bring this type of project to life on the scale that they're doing, they they only have my respect for a ne- for now. You know, I mean, certainly I have some concerns about the voice talent and some maybe some dialogue choices or whatever. But for now, all of those are in the back of my head. I have kind of rolled the red carpet out for them. They have my utmost respect until they don't. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know. We yeah, we, we've seen very little um, so far. So I think yeah, like it's it's yeah, pretty too a bit bit too early to sort of you know criticize it, you know, heavily. And I'm, I'm like you know, don't judge a book by its cover. I think you know one of those things. So it's like uh, let, you know, let's just wait till the show comes out and then really deep dive into you know what we love and what we don't love about it and you know and that's the thing like there's they'll you know there, there might be things i may not like about the show and and you know I'm, I'm gonna be fine with that um you know it's nothing's ever perfect um in a way i mean as much as we want things to be as perfect as possible you know um i mean in in an ideal world yeah we would love that um but you know yeah but it's gonna be really interesting it's gonna be really interesting to see how it all plays out and um I think, you know, regardless, I mean, this year is just, you know, going to be an incredible year, like regardless of how things, you know, go into place, you know, um, with the Dark Crystal Age Resistance. Um, but, you know, I'm, you know, right now I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty positive about it and, you know, I'm, um, yeah, it's just going to be an incredible wait and yeah, going to be an, an incredible year for all things Dark Crystal, yeah. And we are certain to at least know that a trailer is coming, whether it's next week or next month or two months from now, a trailer is on its way. And uh, there's a great quote from the new Mary Poppins. She says in a song, a cover is not a book, so open it up and take a look. And I think that's uh, a great way to kind of um, approach Age of Resistance. And I'm not at all saying, don't be critical, how dare you be critical. All I'm saying is, let's just give something a chance. It's like criticizing a baby that's that a woman is carrying in her womb. Like, 
oh, it's going to, it's going to, you know, it's not going to be any good at school. It's not going to pass its grades. Like it's not even born yet. Give it a chance, you know? Um, and I just, I just want, uh, you know, there's so many, uh, people who have worked on this show and, um, people that I know, people that, you know, things that we've seen that other people haven't seen. Um, a lot of the people who have worked on the show have said it was their most favorite movie ever. And the, the fact that they had the opportunity to work on the show, uh, was a dream come true. And just all of the stories that the personal stories that people have as they go, as they went into creating this magical world. Um, and, uh, that's enough for me right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course we're going to hear so many stories. Like once the show comes out, um, there'll be a lot of, um, interview episodes, um, chained to people who've worked on the show. So that's, that's one aspect with the podcast. I'm very much excited. Um, you know, that I'm really looking forward to the most, you know, not only with seeing the show and talking about the show, but also talking to, uh, the team behind the dark crystal age resistance and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be amazing. And I think they'll probably wrap up for um, this episode of Trial by Stone. So, Jamie, just want to th- say thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely, my friend. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait. At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls. So that's all the time I have for this episode of Trial by Stone. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. We're also on Twitter at DarkCrystalPod and on Instagram at DarkCrystalPodcast. If you like the podcast and you think that others would love it too, then please spread the word about it. And if you can write a review on Apple Podcasts or even on Facebook, uh, greatly appreciate it. And if you're actually watching this on video on YouTube, uh, don't forget to hit like and hit the subscribe button and then also hit that bell notification button to be notified of our future videos from Trial by Stone. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.